everyone. Welcome again to another exciting edition of the Witten Whiskey Cast. My name, as always, is Mark Rossetti Jr. here with my partner in crime once again, DJ Gagnon. Hiya. And wouldn't you know it, we're actually, we need our suffixes this week. We mentioned earlier, I think it was in season one, that you and I are both juniors because we have a guest in studio here in the 1821 studios. Uh, my father, the old man himself, Mark Rossetti Sr. So say hello, Pops. <laughs> Hello, everyone. I'd like to thank all four listeners for me being here today. They are ecstatic. Right Someday we'll, we'll get up to six. Who knows? <laughs> we may hit six, and when we hit seven, I think we can agree to retire. Yeah. Uh, so and, and, and what are you up to, about one and a half kilowatts now? We could actually get across to the Midway Shopping Center. Oh, yeah. No, we're, we're a flamethrower signal here. People within... 40, 50 feet of us at least. Amazing. I mean, with an antenna, of course. Uh, well, yes, of course. Finely tuned antenna. Yeah, yeah. Only the finest ham radio setups. Yes. So uh, this week we're going to be talking about the most American of motorsports. We're going to be talking about drag racing. Uh, but before we do that and we get completely off the rails, uh, what'd you do this week, buddy? Hmm. What did I do this week? I don't know why that question always catches me off guard. <laughs> well, it's been in the format now for a year and a half. But yeah. Hey. Um, we're, we're getting the house cleaned out. Uh, we're going to do some spring cleaning here in the next couple of months. And so I, I finally took the opportunity today to hang up some art that we've had just kind of lying around, uh, falling over in the hallways. Um, and uh, other than that, not too much. Uh, I, I kind of, I, I regressed a little bit this week, Mark. I, I took down the um, the roller coaster last weekend, and I completed the build of the uh, the, the haunted mansion this weekend. So uh, I'm setting up my, my weird Lego tableau about, I don't know, four or five months before... Um, way, way more than that, what, seven months before <laughs> Halloween? Yeah, we're about seven months out from Halloween as we record this. But, but hey, time you know, has no meaning. Time has no meaning. It's a human invention, so you do you. Yeah. How about you, buddy? Uh, I took a shower. <laughs> I, don't like, I, I don't like to take a bath because I don't like to wash my face with the same water my ass was sitting in. <laughs> that's good. So, uh, but that's basically it. Yeah, well, um, I, I, being in studio with you, I'm very grateful that you bathed. Um, I don't know what I'm actually more more excited about, the fact that you have both of your shots or that you bathed. It's kind of 50-50, Yeah, every once in a while, blind turkey finds an acorn. <laughs> nice. Congrats, man. Uh, getting both your shots is awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's going to be with us for an infinitely longer amount of time now. God <laughs> help us. Uh, no, I didn't really do super a lot this week. Uh, work things, we had, you know, paranormal investigators in um, and I didn't take the piss out of them too too much because you know whether you believe in that stuff or you don't believe in that stuff the people that we had through are they're just carnies uh, so we had that going on um, you know Drive to Survive dropped this week on Netflix even if you don't like racing even if you don't like F1 check it out it's a really cool documentary series and it was a good way to get jazzed up for today's episode. I don't been I don't watch a lot of TV shows to begin with. I pretty much just like watch live things, you know, uh, football, racing, pro wrestling. Uh, but there's few shows I watch, and there's even fewer shows that I binge watch. Uh, it, but Drive to Survive is one of them. So check it out if you haven't watched it already. That's fair. Are you, are you keeping up with the 2021 Marvel shows at all? 
I haven't yet. I've heard good things about uh, WandaVision, but I'm not that big of a Scarlet Witch guy to begin with, so I haven't really watched that. I may wait till a few more episodes of Falcon and the Winter Soldier are out and watch that, because um, I think the wife kind of want to watch that, so maybe we'll take that in. Superman and Lois, though, is great. Uh, it sucks that this week's going to be the last episode for a while, but that, that's a really good show. Awesome. Yeah, we, we, just, uh, we just started Falcon and Winter Soldier, and uh, it's pretty good. So, all right, let's take us into the whiskey-adjacent portion of this <laughs> podcast. What are you drinking this week? Uh, so after last week's review of Jane Walker, um, I, I, I figured it would be a good time to knock one of the J's off the list. So, uh, I'm drinking Johnny Walker, uh, Johnny Walker red, but I kind of like with the other J's, unless it's, you know, one of the fancier like Jameson cold brew or something like that. I, I like to bring in a cocktail. So, uh, I'm, I'm actually drinking the locomotive tonight. Choo choo. Yeah. Uh, and the locomotive is a Johnny Walker variant on the sidecar, uh, and it was created at the Park Hotel in Hollywood, and uh, it's it's pretty good. Um, it's uh, the, you can get the recipe out there, but it's uh, lemon juice, Johnny Walker. Uh, they recommend Johnny Walker black, but I didn't have any, so I did red. Uh, and then some simple syrup, some uh, Cointreau or triple sec, um, and then a sugar rim with a lemon twist. So I'm loving it because it's got a sugar rim. And yeah, God, you must just hate that. Yeah, no, it's it's very good. Um, and uh, I mean, Johnny Walker in and of itself is it, it's fairly accessible. Um, depending on the bar you'll go to, I've definitely seen Johnny Walker in the rail, but uh, I, I hesitate to to say it's a tale from the well because um, I've I, I thought it was well whiskey once and, and got a lecture so. No, it's definitely not well whiskey. I would say it is a good entry level scotch, but it's certainly not a tale from the well. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's a little smoky. It's I mean it's pretty, it's pretty scotchy. It's just past the point where I could say I really enjoy it. Um, it it's a little bit bog watery. Uh, so having the the lemon juice and the Cointreau to to soften it a little bit definitely helps. So I recommend the lo- locomotive. Are you smoking a cigar? I am not, I do not uh, partake. No? No. Oh, okay. No. DJ likes his body, unlike us. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Because we're sitting here, we have, both of us have a fatty. A cigar. Tobacco a fatty. Cigar, a cigar. <laughs> yes, yeah, not yes. the other kind of fatty. Yeah, we're not Cheech and Chonging it here uh, in the 1821 studios. The, uh, the old man will remember this. Years ago, when we drove for a guy named Mr. S, he had downstairs over his bar a collection of basically little nip bottles from when you used to be able to get basically unlimited drinks on Continental Airline flights. And he renovated his bar, and he gave me this huge... It was an HP printer box that it had to have 150, 200 nips in it. Oh, wow. And there were about three or four of them that were just pre-made sidecars. But these were all from the late 60s, early 70s. So all the sugar had kind of, you know, glommed up and coagulated. <laughs> and uh, they weren't really very good, for obvious reasons. So because of that, I'm kind of ruined on a sidecar, even though I know that they weren't what a sidecar is supposed to be. But I have to admit, when you first were like, yeah, I'm doing a locomotive, I just got that little churn in the stomach that you get sometimes. Yeah. 
I can't say that the sidecar is one of my favorite cocktails, but I've learned to appreciate it a little bit better. Uh, having gotten some good Calvados in the past. Well, uh, you know, I last week you and I did the the same w- review for the first time, so I figured we could get something a little similar here. So the old man and I are drinking the same thing here. Nice. Uh, we are drinking uh, Kinsey uh, four-year-old aged bourbon. Nice. It's out of a little, disti- well, smaller distillery in Philadelphia. I should, it's not like it's you know super craft or anything. Uh, 47.5% ABV, so, you know, 95 proof. Uh, it's allegedly, you know, relatively uh, small batch. Only been around for a few years, uh, but they're bringing back a dead name, dead brand name, the Kinsey name, uh, you know, and attaching it to uh, the whiskey. It pays homage to the Schuylkill River, which is a, a river down by Philadelphia. It's also the highway, or as we uh, Pennsylvanians call it, the sheer kill, if you ever get on the Schuylkill. It's a pretty brutal river. So, you know, it's got a decent color. It's kind of like goldish, ambery. And when you smell it... It kind of it looks like... Uh, uh, what do you call that? Uh, not a beer, but... Uh, not a... Uh, Whatever, yingling the other one. A lager? A lager, thank you. <laughs> it shows you I'm not a beer drinker. But uh, it, it kind of looks like a, a lager in the ba- uh, bottle. Yeah, a little bit. I could see that. Um, you, you get a little bit of cinnamon, a little bit of brown sugar on the nose. Um, the palate has some fruity, fruity pickups on the beginning, and then it kind of peppers out near the end, and it just hits you with that good little oaky, spicy whiskey finish. So so I approve. What do you think, Pops? Not bad. Not bad. Uh, like I said, it's it's got a dark. It looks dark, but uh, tastes very well. I'm drinking mine over ice. I don't know how you're drinking your Johnny Walker there, but I have mine on ice, and it's, it's not bad. Uh, on a 1 to 10, I'd probably give it a 6. I mean, it's got a decent beat, and you can dance to it. You know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah, I'd give it a six. So there you go. Um, I think taste-wise, I'd be inclined to give it a a seven, but I think a six is a good overall score because it is $40 a bottle. And while that's not super expensive for a bourbon, this is a little high for this bourbon. Yeah, fair. Uh, So I think a six is a, a pretty good score overall. I'm drinking mine over my whiskey stones as usual, so we get the... The two, uh, the two things, I'm kind of neat, and the old man has it over ice, so we get the yin and the yang. Yeah, I'm drink, drinking Johnny Neat, and my cocktail was shaken, so uh, I've kind of got the two different perspectives here. This is Gagnon, DJ Gagnon. <laughs> uh, yes, we, we definitely stand 007 here, but uh, do not shake your martinis. Martinis should be stirred. Oh, I shake mine. Get out. Oh, wow. Ooh. See, we have never talked about this before, on air or off. We're gonna have really? To, we're going to have to review martinis. Yeah, no, martinis are like 10 times better stirred, man. I don't. Th- I legitimately don't think I've ever had one stirred in my life. I'm not even trolling you right oh now. Oh, my God. What about you, Pops? You shake it or stir it for a martini? You don't, well, you're not a vodka guy, but shake it or stir it for a martini. Repeat the question. <laughs> when, on the odd, the odd occasion when you order a martini, do you get it shaken or stirred? Oh, it don't matter. It's not in the glass long enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so there, we have the three. 
we have optimist, pessimist, and realist here on the, the written whiskey here today, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, we but all... I, if, I, if I had to pick the vodka that I would want in my martini, I would take Kettle One. Nice. Okay. So we've all got right. Shake and Stirred and Kettle One. Yes. Yeah. Shake and, and Stirred and Yes, Please. Those are our three answers. So, but uh, it, yeah, it, 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 it really doesn't matter to me. I, uh, right. I, I I confess myself surprised. I thought you guys would be re- reviewing Christian Brothers. <laughs> I offered, but uh, the don't, old man actually don't pick on Christian Brothers. <laughs> no, we all like we all like Christian Brothers here on the WW. Yeah. I offered, the old man countered with four roses, but I wasn't feeling a dip into the well considering it was eleven ninety nine for a fifth. Yeah, I just wasn't feeling it, so we kind of met in the middle with Kinsey. Here's here's my theory on this, okay? You can't always drive a Cadillac. And once in a while you got to drive a Kia. And and if you're going to rate a drink, you got to dr- rate the good with the bad. It's true. And uh I mean, uh they're out there for a reason. People buy them. And uh you know, I mean, it's uh so I said, you know, it doesn't have to be always a high dollar whiskey. That's my opinion. I mean, uh but uh, there, there's 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 some you know some uh, low dollar stuff for the longest time. We used to drink Corby's. I don't know if anybody ever heard of Corby's. We used to drink Corby's, and I think uh, they actually, if you gave them five dollars, they gave you four dollars and ninety cents back. I mean, I mean, Not but far from it was the truth. It wasn't bad. I mean, you know, Corby's uh, the the whiskey that the WW loves to pick on. It's yeah, a, it's yeah. it's our, I mean, it's I our mean, younger and, brother. And and look at look at uh, Sigram Seven, look at VO. I mean, they're out there. They're not a high dollar whiskey or a bourbon, but but uh, people drink it. Oh yeah, I mean, I talk a big game, but I'll fuck with the seven and seven. Yeah, me too. Especially with VO seven and seven with VO, I like quite a bit. Yeah, I mean. Just about every wedding that you go to, that's what's there. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was really interesting getting into whiskey way later uh, than, than Mark did because I, you know, I started off already having money to buy whiskey and then I had to ratchet myself back to be like, oh, I should probably check some of the stuff that's a little bit cheaper so I don't end up with, you know, wine taste and a beer bug budget. And, and, and here's one for you. I, I don't know if you've ever had it. But Kessler's, Kessler's is another one. I mean, uh, that's probably you could get a Kessler's for ten dollars for a half a gallon. I think <laughs> you put it in your car and you could drive home. You know what I mean? But uh, I mean, it's it's out there. I mean, it's just something. It's something to drink. Nice. You know, you mentioned about getting into whiskey a lot later than me, DJ. Uh, the man is sitting before me who gave me my uh, affection for the brown liquor. <laughs> we, we never really were a big beer family, the Rossettis. It was always, you know, if you were going to drink, you were going to drink whiskey. And uh, so I went to college kind of like, you know, where's the bottle of Jack? And everyone's looking at me like I have 12 heads. <laughs> but it's just the house we were raised in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's the people who would uh, go to the recycling center and they would have uh, beer cans and we'd have whiskey bottles. It's true. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember three or four years ago getting, getting into whiskey, talking a lot to Mark about it. And I remember like there was a work outing right around then. And I, I read the room wrong cause I got there late 
And you know, like work outings, they're either like fancy enough where you can order a whiskey, order a martini or something like that, or it's beer. Like you can yeah. order beer. Yeah. There's no and, in between. And, and if you went, if you went heads up one on one, on one I would bet, I mean, I, I never did this, but I bet you there's probably more whiskey names out there than there are beer names. Oh, I would be be sure of it. And it was also I, the first time we met our new manager, and I ordered a Jameson uh, Neat, and everybody else at the table is drinking beer and looks at me weird. I'm like, oh, I read this room wrong. Did you actually hear the record scratch in I, your head? I did. I did. And for like six months, my boss thought that I was a super drunk. And Not I was like, boy. Oh. did you make me proud? I did. <laughs> That's good. That's yeah, good. Yeah. Every time we would talk, he's like, so what are you drinking tonight? And I'm like, I don't actually drink every night, boss. When I went to the doctors and I got my, the doctor before this, he asked me how much I drank. <laughs> and I said, a bottle of vodka a week. And he put me down as an alcoholic. Oh, no. <laughs> and that's a week, not a day. I said, I take... I drink a bottle of vodka uh, probably a week. And that's when I was on the vodka kick. You know, I was drinking the Kettle One, and I was drinking Kettle One and Cranberry, actually, is what I was drinking. Nice. And uh, and I would drink. It was just a, not, a, not a half a gallon, just a regular bottle of vodka. And he put me down as an alcoholic, so... So there you go. That's a great segue. Our first guest we ever had on this show was an absolute teetotaler. And our second guest we have on the show is listed as an alcoholic. Hey, you know what? I, I ain't going to smack it. Uh, Papa Rossetti, the vodka cranberry is also called a, uh, a Cape Cotter. So you're representing New England here. I appreciate it. Well, thank you. And, you know, uh, one, one quick story before we get into our topic that I didn't even tell you this yet, DJ. Uh, the wife has a new supervisor at work. And she was talking about how she's total lightweight. You know, she's 115 pounds soaking wet, if that. She had two glasses of wine with dinner, and she was hungover the next day. And she was talking to Annie, and she goes, you know, we just don't keep a lot of alcohol in the house. She goes, we maybe have a bottle of wine in the house, and really, that's about it. She goes, do you and Mark keep a lot of alcohol in the house? <laughs> <laughs> and Mark Annie goes, does. <laughs> she goes, I literally, my brain like failed for a second. She goes, I didn't know how to answer that because I'm like, wait, it's not normal to have a fully stocked bar in your house. I'll have and to, I'll have to take a picture tonight of my, my liquor. It's, I can't call it a cabinet. It's like a crate with a top. Yeah. I got to send a picture to, uh, to you so you can show your dad. But it's, I mean, I've got probably... 50, 60 bottles in that crate. That's good. That's good. We're normal. Yeah, yeah, that's, 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 you made me proud. <laughs> See me now, I have a tear in my eye. I say right now, you made me proud. Well, all right. I so got I really bored in quarantine and learned how to be a bartender, so. Yeah, he, he did. He's part good. chemist. That's good. You, you never have enough. No. But, uh, and we, we, for the longest time, I mean, we're getting off the subject here a little bit, but my family made homemade wine. Mm. We used to make what they call Dago Red. And when I bought the first house that I lived in, it still had the barrels in the basement from my grandfather. I actually bought the house off my grandfather, and he made his own wine. He made his own Dago Red. So, 
I mean, uh, it's forever. I mean, if you weren't drinking wine, you were drinking whiskey. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I mean, uh, beer is only something that you had with a pizza or, or a sandwich or with a cookout or something like that. I mean, but mostly whiskey drinkers. And before we get hate tweets, Great Grandpa Rossetti was right off the boat from Italy. <laughs> yeah. And he called it Dago Red. So <laughs> just check that in the bud before we even start. It'll always be Dago Red. I don't care. Yeah, I mean, that's not being uh, derogatory or being any, that's just, just what it's called. I mean, you know, I mean, I, if anybody's offended by that, I'm sorry, but that's what we call it. I mean, you guys have the credentials. I'm, I'm sure we're not offending anybody here. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, it's, you know, it's, I, I don't want to be that guy and be like, we can use that word, but yeah, we, we kind of can. <laughs> so Mark, take us in. Oh, God, here we go. The topic at hand. We're going to try this. We're going to see how, how, how well we could, we could do this on the audio side. You know. And then we can, then we can uh, go from there. So we're, the topic at hand this week is drag racing and whiskey. And, and so, you know, we have my old man here. And I said last week in the intro to this that, you know, Racing is kind of a privileged sport, you know, especially now when you look at karting, you have these rich kids, five, six, seven years old that are getting in karting and they're in Formula One, they're in NASCAR by the time they're 17, 18 years old. You were four when you started. (laughs) Okay, Mm -hmm. there we go. Fact drop number one today. I was four when we started, uh, when I started. But I didn't, we didn't necessarily have the money per se, but I had the privilege in that I had a pretty damn good mechanic for free living in the house who uh, was already in the business and got me in the business. So that was my privilege. So he, but he's done a lot more than just give me half of my DNA to get us here. So Pops, why don't you start with, when did you start working on cars? What, you know, what's your background? What's your credentials? Give, give us the CV, so to speak. I started working on cars when I was 15 years old. I went to school to be a mechanic and that's all I've ever done. Uh, since I'm 15 and I'm 61 now. I'm going to be 61 in October. So that's all I've ever done is worked on cars and, and trucks, diesels. So basically that's it. So a bit of time. Just, yeah, a few decades of experience. Uh, now, for our listeners who don't know, drag racing is the most visceral, most American in a lot of ways, most simple motorsport to watch, to understand, but it's actually very complicated under the surface, like everything. But, you know, two men enter, one man leaves. It's kind of like the Thunderdome. You know, it's uh, two cars on a track, straight line, traditionally a quarter mile in length. And depending on the class... Uh, Let me interrupt you there. If you do it legally. (laughs) On a track, yes. If you do it legally. Yes, okay. I, I start doing it illegally. I start doing it on the street. As many people do. Um, and that takes us actually to a good segue, Pops. I'm br- glad you brought that up. DJ, you could be our audience surrogate this week. Yes. Do you know off the top of your head why traditionally, quote unquote, drag racing, uh, drag strip is a quarter mile? No idea. I, I, um, my credentials here is that I drive a vehicle. <laughs> okay. That is well, about as much uh, tinkering as I have ever done. Well, Pops mentioned it. A lot of people, uh, you know, started on the street, so. Yeah, what you did was, you, 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 you know, when you were fifth, 16 years old, you got your first car and you, you hopped it up. And, uh, you know, and, 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 and when I was 
16, that was 1976. So a 1970 car was only six years old. So you could have got a 70 Chevelle, a 70 Corvette, 69 Camaro, which would have been seven. They were all on the lots. So you bought them fairly cheap, and you either drove them the way they were or you souped them up, and everybody had a, a, a hot car. Gas high test was 60 cents a gallon. Okay, and that's Sunoco 260, which they don't make now. It was a, 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 a leaded fuel. It was only on leaded. And, and you, uh, you, you raced each other. You drove around. And it, I, it would cost me, I don't know, $10 to fill my tank up, and I burned the whole tank full a whole night just driving around. I mean, and uh, that's what you did. I mean... Uh, whether it was good or bad, I mean, I, I, you know, that's what we did. I mean, we, that was our thing. And traditionally in America, particularly in the larger cities, you know, most American cities are based on a grid: New York, Philadelphia, Washington D.C., Phoenix, Chicago. So we is won't it talk the, about- Is it that each block is a quarter mile? Yes, oh, each block. I got street, it in one. Street to street, each block is generally roughly a quarter mile. All well, right. that's, that's where okay. the term drag racing came from. You hear. You hear everybody saying that mostly people my age will say, well, that's the main drag. Well, that's what they mean. The main street is the main drag. Um, And a quarter mile was a block. Usually a a block, a city block is about a quarter mile. So that's where that that quarter mile came from. The term, we're racing a quarter mile drag strip. And the, the, the term uh, uh, drag racing came from the main drag. They would, they would race up and down the main drag because they would be cruising the main street. So basically, drag racing is an evolved form of going stoplight to stoplight against your buddy on a Friday night. Okay. That's, that's, that's basically all it is at its most primal form. Only now you're on a proper track. You know, you have uh, safety precautions. You have a well-prepared surface. You have a proper timing system, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But at its heart, that's what it was because after World War II, you had the first GI Bill. You had the auto companies actually making cars again. You had the horsepower war. You had cheap gas. That's what developed in the 50s, 60s, and the 70s. Now, Pops, what drew you to drag racing in particular? Now, you kind of touched on this a little bit already, but what drew you in drag racing in particular as opposed to circle track racing or dirt track racing? Like, was there a, a car or a driver that you liked as a kid? You know, because drag racing was a thing back then already, so... Speed. That basically, speed. Uh, there was nothing, and still is nothing, faster than drag racing. And... That's what drew me. I if it, I always like to go fast, even even when I was driving my father's car. <laughs> if I went up on the highway, I wanted to try to bury the speedometer. <laughs> and at the time, uh, they, was, the speedometer was 120 miles an hour. So if, if, what's the safety? I mean, let's face it. Anything will go 120 miles an hour if you have a long enough stretch. So that's what we would do, and we we, we would do that. But uh, to answer your question, speed. All right. Well, that's that's a fair enough answer. That's that's the regular Ricky Bobby answer, and I, I can appreciate that too. I always, although mine was slightly different, and I, I think the old man is similar to me. I never much cared for top speed. I always like acceleration. How quick can I get to a certain point? That's well, neat. We used to have a, a place here. It was uh, most of your, hopefully your four viewers will 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 hear it. And Listeners, we'll, we're not on TV. What what will know what. Uh, 
Hershey Park is and Disney World, they have all these rides. I only wanted to go on the roller coaster because it was fast. Yeah, fair. I went, I went, we went to uh, 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 Rocky Glen Park and all them local parks which are closed on. I just would stand in line in the roller coaster. That's what I wanted to do. And if I wasn't doing that, I was driving a car, which would be the Dodgems, the bumper cars. Nice. And so that's it. That's what, that was my, my extent of it. Yeah, All right. See, so you, car- Carnival for me was mostly just uh, eating all of the snacks. and Me too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I always liked the candy and the clowns and, like, seeing everything. So it, it's an interesting perspective compared to, you know, what you would have done. Is that why you like Payday so much, because of the clowns? I do really like clowns. Oh, see? I'm, I'm one of the few people I know in my life who isn't absolutely terrified. I'm just fascinated. If I saw one in the middle of the night with a knife, I'd be like, hey, what's your story? Where's my balloon animal? Well, uh, now this next one's actually kind of fun because before we were on air, the old man told me, and I didn't even realize this, I was slipping. I mean, of course, I was, what, two, two or three at the time. <laughs> but this very weekend, as we record this, is actually the 30th anniversary of this. 31st. 31st, excuse me. So, Pops, what was the first proper race car you built? It was a little old lady's car. It was a 1965 Chevelle that we bought. It was it belonged to two nurses. They were sisters, and they lived together. And we bought the car off of them. It still had their. We got the original bill of sale. They traded a '61 Ford in on a '65 Chevy. It was a '65 Malibu. It was all there. It was total right down to the hubcaps. And we bought the car. And we took it home and we stripped it, made a drag car out of it in 1989. So at the time, 65, 89, you do the math. So there you go. You know, you you, you graduated high school in what, 77, 78? Yes. And, you know, had a few years, dated mom, married mom, had me, supported me. A decade later, you're already jumping in head first. Uh, and, you know, cutting up your, your first barn find, which is a thing that you and I have done quite a bit over the years. If there's a hell for cutting up old cars, man, we're both going to be there, <laughs> let's be honest. Uh, so we have that. Then who was first? So you were running the Green Bomber, you, you and my Uncle Eddie, that was the Chevelle. I, I, I named it the Green Bomber, three years old, I couldn't talk. Green Bomber. Uh, you were running the Green Bomber. Who did you start working for first, Robbie or Dizzy? Frank Dominic, Dizzy Dominic. They called him Dizzy because he was crazy. And, uh, yes, I start working for him. He had a 67 Ford Fairlane. And uh, it was actually a a pro-mod car that we did. And it had a 506 cubic inch motor, which isn't that big now. But in the 90s, that was a big cubic inch motor. And you were one of the... R&D cars for Ron's Flying Toilets, right? Correct. Ron's Flying Toilet, is, it looks like a little toilet sitting on the top of your car. It's not a carburetor. It's a fuel injection unit that... Uh, wait, 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 wait. What? <laughs> flying Toilets? Ron's yeah. Flying Toilet. That's what it's called, yes. Look it up. It's fuel injection, and it actually looks like a little toilet sitting on the top of your car. It does. <laughs> and uh, we were, we were in one of his test cars. Uh, in the 90s, he was just making a name for early 90s. He was just making a name for himself. Yeah, Ron's Flying Toilets are actually pretty well known today. They're, they're pretty trick pieces of kit. They're very well developed. 
But at the turn of the 80s into the 90s, he had maybe 8 to 12 cars in the country that were running his tech and that were, you know, feeding their data back to the home base. And uh, Dizzy's team was actually one of them that was doing that, which is really cool. I, I am looking at this, and it really does look like a mini toilet. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yes, it's, yes. Are they still blue? Uh, I, they look blue and purple now. Yep, yep, that's what they are. And uh, that's what it is. I mean, it's just, uh, we were running alcohol. We weren't go- ga- running gas, but it's pretty simple. Uh, fuel goes in, air goes in. Fuel goes, air goes out, fuel goes out. That's all it is. It's just simple. I mean, uh, very simple. And but yes, it looks like a little toilet. That's uh, hilarious. Yeah. Has one setting, dump. But it might be hilarious. But man, it makes power. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and now. It wasn't the Fairlane as much, but Dizzy's T-Bird, that was from Ford, right? That was the 1986 that we bought in 1991. So it was actually a brand new car, even though it was an 86. It took the guy four years to build a car. He built it in 1990. It was done in 1990, and he only made a couple uh, passes from it, from the S. VO division, which is uh, Special Vehicle Operations, and we bought it in 91. It's wow. kind of funny, you know, little little Podunk Plains Township had a factory Ford race car roaming around for a few years, and this is about when, this is about the earliest I can remember. I have some memories of the Green Bomber, not a whole lot, but I remember going to Dizzy Shop, I remember his cars, and I just remember there were, basically any time there was a shop night, and the old man brought me down, and they were working on the cars. There were always crates from somewhere of stuff coming in. They were always, and it was the old school. It was air freight, like they would yeah. actually air freight parts from God only knows where. Correct. And uh, we got a lot of stuff for free because uh, we were we were doing a lot of testing, and uh, we were ahead of our time. I mean, uh, because uh, we'll get into this later. It it, it it helps to have a big bankroll. <laughs> I mean, uh, and uh, this guy had kind of a big bankroll, and uh, and uh, it, what what he couldn't get for free, he was able to buy. Mm-hmm. And then somewhere in there, you started working for our buddy Robbie. After his. I after he introduced me to a friend of mine, still still for this this guy that we were talking about since his past, he's deceased now, but uh, Robbie is uh, still. Alive, and he introduced me to him, and he was looking for somebody, and uh, we got hooked up, and we built a 1968 Camaro. And uh, that is a car I have heard of. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, it was that uh, was uh, basically uh, wasn't as fast, but uh, it was it was a lot of fun. So uh, you had that point, then you had uh, you and Kenny got together. You had the '71 Chevelle. And then it wasn't long after that, it was what, maybe six years, eight years, if that, that you and I started dipping our toes into the water. Correct. So now, DJ, so this has already basically been the Pokemon episode in reverse. Yeah. Well, uh, there, in between that, there was uh, the Trans Am, Eddie's Trans Am. Oh, my God, I forgot about I forgot all about the Trans Am. <laughs> That's also a, a car I have heard of. That was a Bandit Edition Trans Am that we built. With a 69 Pontiac Judge 400 Ram Air 
four motor, which is trying to find a guy with three thumbs if you want to get that motor. They only made them for a couple of years, and we got a hold of one, and we stuck it in this Trans Am, and it was just, it was just. <laughs> yeah, basically, take the car from Smokey and the Bandit, paint it bright blue, because Eddie's was blue, and put this rare experimental Pontiac motor in it that I don't even know how the hell these guys found one. It was in utterly insane. It was just way too much for the car. It was just insane. Yeah. Yeah. Is the is the now is the blue color scheme? Is this where we get the blue bombers color scheme from? No, no, no. no. It was a nice color blue. It had a. It, it, the Bandit Edition Trans Am was it was it was it was unique. It had T tops, but they were made by Hearst, and everybody around here. I don't know. Like I said, your four listeners. I don't know if they know, but. Uh, they were very desirable, and they were, his was always getting stolen. His T-tops, he, he had to watch. If he parked the car somewhere, he had to take the T-tops off because they're ve- the Hearst T-tops are, are very rare to find. They only came on the Bandit Edition Trans Ams, and he was always getting them stolen, and he had a hard time finding them to get them again. And so finally, after, the, I guess, the second time that they were stolen, he would just take them off when he parked it. But it was a, a, a Bandit Edition Trans Am. For our listeners at home, uh, a T-top, T-tops are, it's basically a hybrid of a convertible and a hardtop. You have two removable sections of the roof, but they're, they're hard. It's not like a canvas convertible top. And they detach so that you can drive like a convertible or you could put them on and it could be like a regular car. They call it a T-top because there's a center bar that runs from the windshield to the back window. So even when they're off, you still have like a T-bar where the roof should be. And is that just, does it like just add stability to the car? Is there a reason for the T-top? It gives Well, it adds a little bit of stability to the chassis because, of course, now you're in unibody territory. By the time the Trans Ams were out, you didn't have body on frame anymore. Yeah. But the, the main thing was it gives a place for the T-tops to mount to. Yeah, I, think, I think back when the... Not to interrupt you, I apologize. No, no go ahead. No, not go ahead. To, I think when the T-top came out, like, uh, what, 77, 78, I, I, don't, I don't know the year exact. I think the only really convertible you could have got was probably in a Corvette. I don't even know Cadillac that. too. I don't know that, but uh, this was their answer to a, a convertible, and uh, you would put the T's back on, and, and uh, or take them off. They were just glass, and they came off. And uh, pops back me up on this, but the reason why they're not around anymore is because they leaked like sieves. Correct. <laughs> Correct. They weren't there. No, they, they weren't. Well, now maybe they do. I don't know if you still can get T tops. I don't know, but back then they they were. They were they were a lead balloon back then. Yeah, I, I don't know what the year is, but I think my brother has a may have either a hardtop or a t-top Corvette. I don't know what year. But uh, and then uh, we we uh, we we stopped doing for other people and we start doing our own stuff, which uh, we, piss mom off to no end. Yeah, I, <laughs> he was sixteen. He was fifteen years old, and I, I from day one I promised him if he would do good in school and study and make good grades, I would buy him whatever he wanted, whether it was a new car, old car, or whatever. I would buy him whatever he wanted. And he and we ended up buying, we went and we bought him, Was car was in a museum, actually. It was a 71 Charger. Nice. 72, I'm sorry, 72 Charger, and we bought him that, and that was his car. And it had, like, 20,000 more original miles on it in 
When, what, 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 what year were you 15? It was 2001. It was 2001 with, a, with it a 72 Charger with 15,000 miles on it. Shows you, shows you what kind of car that was. Yeah. And we cut it up. <laughs> well, I, but that was actually yeah, mostly we, me. Yeah, we kind of we cut that up. So. <laughs> that, that one was actually mostly me. Uh, but no, I, I, what I was getting at, you know, this is already the Pokemon episode in reverse. So since this is the, the quasi-modern part, before we get into any of the technical stuff, any more into the technical stuff, I should say, DJ, do you have any questions you want to lob at? Yes, yes. My, uh, you want to ask me what size my shoes are or what, what size yeah, pants I'll, I take? <laughs> I, I can answer all that. Uh, I, uh, I actually really enjoy this episode being mostly the two of you. I've got some lightning round questions towards the end that oh, I think okay. will be a lot of fun. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, but I, uh, I mean, I know nothing about no, racing or tuning. Don't say that. Uh, you, you, you were very. I, I don't. I wouldn't be hanging around with you if you didn't know it. Oh no, no, no. I know a lot of you, things you, you, about you, you, other you're, things. You're, 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 you're doing fine. You're in, doing fine. Yeah. In terms of this, don't topic, be afraid to ask. There's no. There's no such question as a, a silly or stupid question. You yeah. know, if you want to ask it, you ask it. So, uh, I when I started driving, it was 16, uh, and I got my license, and I got my my first, uh, m- my rusty steed, as I called it. It was uh, a 97 Ford Ranger, two-wheel drive. Yes. Single yes. cab. Yes. Like, yeah. like nothing. It, it was just, it, it was a rust bucket. It was just. Uh, like, I think I got it in a lemon sale, and luckily it wasn't really a lemon. It was, you know. Uh, and I, I fucking loved it. I I, uh, I didn't understand how to use air fresheners back then, so I would just rip all of the plastic off the air freshener. So the thing always smelled way too intensely of pine. Yeah, well, you know. Every time you got pulled over, the cops thought you were smoking a doobie in there because yeah. it just reeked like air freshener. Yeah, uh, and I eventually... Um, you know, since then, I've basically uh, kind of vacillated back between Toyota and Ford. Um, so I, you know, I, I drove a, a Matrix for a while. Loved that. We still have it. It's now Holly's car. Um, I drove a Ford Fusion for a while, a 13 Fusion, and that was, that, that thing was a piece of crap. Um, well, let me tell you this. <laughs> 97 Ranger, correct? Yep. Two-wheel drive or four-wheel drive? Two. Oh, they race them now. Oh, yeah, that's they awesome. They're yeah. actually a very they, they desirable just, They chassis. just put a big motor in them, and they race them now. <laughs> nice. So, they're, so they're, they're, a lot of guys, if you're a Chevy guy, you'll race an S10, or if you're a Ford guy, you'll race that Ranger. Yeah, that was my big frustration for the longest time. Uh, I, I really okay. love pickup trucks, but I really like smaller pickup trucks. Um, I, cool. I worked... Where you guys have worked on the more technical side, I worked on, I, I did car detailing for two years. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing so, with yeah, that. I, I don't know anything about what's under the hood. Much like with computers, I'm all software. Um, okay. I, I, don't do, I don't do a lot of hardware, but, um, I, you know, I, I can wax a car like nobody's business at this point. Uh, but, yeah, no, uh, I drive, today I drive a, uh, a 2020 uh, t- Tacoma SR5, um, and I'm, I'm pretty happy with that. All right, well, if that's the case, maybe we could just dabble in uh, one or two uh, anecdotes from our years together. We'll, we'll try to keep this brief because I know we're already... We're already going a little over time. You know, this this has been a theme for our last couple of topics. Uh, Especially for our guest episodes. 
Yes. The, the best thing I could say about my son driving, they don't look at gauges. <laughs> There's no such thing as gauges. So the oil light could be flashing. The temperature gauge could be flashing. You don't look at that stuff. <laughs> that's, just, that's, just, uh, that's just window dressing to him. <laughs> Mark. Great, great driver. Great driver. Uh, best student I ever had. Not that he's my son. But that's it. He just drives. <laughs> I look at it from the perspective of build a car that can withstand my driving style. <laughs> and some, the old man, to his credit, 99% of the time does. And, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say it's all the crew. That's the joke. The crew chief is always wrong. The driver's always right. And the crew chief always thinks the crew chief's always right. And the driver's always wrong. I mean, if you watch any of the NASCAR broadcasts now, they have Larry McReynolds and Jeff Gordon are two of the commentators. Larry McReynolds is a crew chief. Jeff Gordon was an ex-driver. They openly hate each other on the telecast. They contradict each other constantly. I mean, it's just, it's an old foible. So I'm not going to sit here and say I never did anything wrong. But my argument is, I know what I could do behind the wheel. The old man knew what I could do behind the wheel. Make it so the car can hold up to that. <laughs> yeah, but they're there for a reason. Ballast. <laughs> they are just weight. That's all they're there for. So we make minimum weight. We're not going to get into that because, uh, but, uh, you know. But, but that's I th- the only complaint I have. I mean, other than that, that that's it. But uh, if we can get them to look at the gauges, we, 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 that would be good. <laughs> I, I do think we have to start, though. Well, we ha- we have to share the anecdote of how we got our first race car together, the GTO, because the story of how we came to the GTO is incredible. Um, our listeners probably don't know this because I haven't talked very much about it on the show. But before I was a car guy, I was into guns. Uh, I had quite the collection of guns. You know, the, when my uncle passed away, he left me his insane collection. I had some of my own. I was a big gun collector. I was a big target shooter. And the old man and I were on our way to a gun show. And I was looking to buy a Dragonov. I had an SKS. I had a Mosin Nagant. I had an AK-47. The Dragonov was the next Soviet weapon I needed for my collection. And we're driving down uh, Route 11, which is a major uh, state route here in Pennsylvania. And I'm looking at the brochure for this gun show. And I'm not really paying attention. And out of nowhere, the old man just makes a 90-degree turn in his old green Cheyenne that he had, pickup truck, and bounces my head off the side window. Because, I mean, this was like, he was doing like 50 miles an hour down this highway and just all of a sudden makes an abrupt turn. (laughs) And so I turned to look at him and just, like, what the hell's the matter with you? Are you trying to get us killed? Blah, 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 blah. And he's staring off through the windshield at something that I can't see. And I said, "What, what? And there was a 68 GTO sitting on this used car lot. And he, all he said is, I'm going to buy that car. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay, fine, whatever. Can, like, can we go now? And he's like, no, I'm going to buy that car. And he gets out of the car, and he walks into the dealership. And I'm like, what the fuck? Are we not going to the gun show? <laughs> so I get out, and full disclosure, when he bought it, I did not like the GTO at all. I'm not going to sit here and sugarcoat it. I'm not going to write revisionist history. Uh, by the end of our run... We kind of had a working relationship, myself and uh, the GTO, but I called it Lizzie Borden because it was insane. It was an absolutely insane vehicle. <laughs> and he went in and talked to this guy who was getting divorced and needed to liquidate cars to pay alimony. We took it for a test drive. It broke down on the test drive. And b- 
back me up. I'm not making this up. It no, broke, it did. It broke down on the test drive. Twice. Said, twice. And I said, thank God, all right, we can, we can take this back. He's not going to buy it. We can go to the gun show. Hopefully, he's still not a dragon off. We walked in, and he goes, yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> Just like that. And we never made it to the gun show. We, we turned around because now we had to go home and explain to my mother how instead of buying a $500 rifle, which was $500 at the time, we bought a, what, $15,000, $16,000 car instead. Uh, but that really, you know, we're all into comic books. We're all into the multiverse. That is where the timeline split. If we never did that, I probably never would have gotten to racing. I probably would still be target shooting. Yeah, we, what, what, what happened was we got the car... I restored the car. I put every option. We went to a, a car. Uh, um, there's a place. I got I to gotta do a little uh, backup here and tell you. There's a place called Carlisle, Pennsylvania, and they sell. It's a giant flea market, and they sell a lot of old stuff. And I bought all the factory brochures from 1968 GTO. And I... It gave you what that car came with in 1968, and I start putting the options in it. I put the factory A-track in it. I put factory hood pins in it. I put a factory reverb in it. I put a power antenna in it. I was just obsessed with all these factory options, and, uh, and I start winning at car shows with it. And then we got kind of got bored and said, well, let's make it a race car. So we, that's, how, that's how we got started. And, I mean, we had that car for, what, four years, five years? Oh, longer than that. Closer to 10, I think. Uh, and it was a great Friday night car. You know, drag racing, you have a couple different classes. Uh, fr- Friday night is more for street cars that are, you know, tweaked and tuned. And it's a little bit, you know, closer to the old school when you drive a car to where the track, race all day, and drive home. So that was a great Friday night car. And that's, that's what I cut my teeth in. That's what I learned the trade in. That's, you know... Uh, I, by the end, I loved that car, and it still hated me. <laughs> uh, but we, we sold that to get our Nova, and we, we ran the Nova for a number of years, and we were actually pretty competitive with the Nova. The last year we had it, we never lost in the first round the whole year we went out. No. That car was, that car was amazing. I mean, not, not that we built it. If any car, they say, well, what, what car do you wish you had back? That's the car. Yeah, That's I agree. the car there. That was, uh, we did everything to that car. We just put, did the motor, tranny, rear, suspension, wiring, everything. And it was a 62 Nova. First year. With a 502 motor in it. Wow. So this showed half fiberglass, front end, doors, and trunk, and Lexon windows. So the car weighed probably as much as a... A, a, a piece of paper, and you <laughs> stuffed this big 502 motor in it, and but it was fun. It would pull. It would put the back bumper right on the ground. It would do awesome wheelies. Yeah, there there's some great videos. Uh, uh, I was dabbling with a GoPro at this time, and there's some great videos when you know I just launched the car, and you just see sky for a little while till the front end comes down. When we actually finally got rid of that car, we traded it for our Fiat Dragster. It was stretched, altered the whole nine yards. Uh, the car was a regular car. It had a title, the Nova. It had a title and everything. So we're sitting in the notary's office to transfer the title, and we sold it to this old guy up in Erie, Pennsylvania. And we're waiting for the notary to process the paperwork, and he looks at me, and he said, you know, son, I never asked you, when do you shift in that car? And he meant, like, RPMs. You know, do you shift at 6,000? Do you shift at 6,500? 
And I looked at him, and I wasn't being a smart ass, but it was the truth. I looked at him and just said, when the front end comes down. Yeah. And he kind of just did a double take and went, what? Yeah, this guy, his social security number was like three. <laughs> so he was kind of old, you know, and he, 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 I don't think he realized what he got. And, uh, and he was like, yeah, kind of stunned. Yeah, it's just, no, this car pops. And he has a video. I mean, I, I maybe he could give you the video. He has a video of him inside the car, Mark inside the car when the car is popping a wheelie. You see the Christmas tree, then you see the sun. <laughs> but I think we will tell one one last anecdote here, just because I always love it, because this is something that I didn't know until very least recently. I don't think he actually told me until I retired. Uh, when we had the Fiat, we ran the Fiat for about a year, year and a half with the motor that was in it. The motor was tired. We were just putting way too much stress through it. So we had a brand new engine built. And uh, we took it to Andy Jensen, who's a friend of ours. He's also a world record holder, multiple-time world champion in a bunch of different classes, uh, to build us an engine. And he sent us the engine back to put it in. And, Pops, you want to take tell the rest of the story? When you get an engine from him, it already has oil in it. You get an engine from him, it has. So we had a deep oil pan in that, in that car. We had a seven-quart oil pan. So, but when you have a race car, you don't have a dipstick. So there's no way of really telling how much oil's in it unless, which my son doesn't do, you look at the gauge and tells you if you have low oil pressure, that's how you know you <laughs> need oil. I wasn't here for this day, okay, for right. the record. Just, uh, I want the record to show that. I'm telling the story. <laughs> so, so, it came with seven quarts of oil already in it. So, me not paying attention, didn't real, forgot about that or didn't, wasn't paying attention when he told me that, I put seven more in <laughs> so now this now this car has 14 quarts of oil in it. Okay, now it's not leaking. I start the car up, and there's no oil pressure on the car. A friend of mine was there, Mark. I, I don't know where he was. He wasn't. I around. was at work. It was you and Neil. So got started, and we're looking at the gauge. There's no oil pressure in it, and we're running this car for about a minute with no oil pressure. So we shut it off, and I putz around, putz around. And I started up again, no oil pressure, a couple times. I mean. Probably ran, by the time I figured out what was wrong, it probably ran four, maybe five minutes with no oil pressure. For the four viewers that you have that know about cars, you have to put the distributor down into the oil pump, and that works the oil pump. I didn't have the distributor down all the way, and it, that was my fault. And there was no oil pressure. So I drained the oil, and it's draining, and it's draining, and it's draining. I'm, I went through two drain pans before I realized there was oil in it and I put <laughs> new oil in it. So I always thought every time he ran the car, I was waiting for the, the engine to grenade because we ran it that long without oil pressure, but it never did. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, anything over 15, 20 seconds, the motor with no uh, proper performance engine with no oil in it should just be junk. Yeah, this, this picture, picture squeaky hinge, go open your door, squeaky hinge, and then what it's like with no oil, then when you put oil on it, it's quiet. Well, that's that's what an engine's like. And, of course, I didn't know any of this. So, you know, we get the Fiat. We, we've been working on it all winter. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I was talking about winter testing and how excited I get for winter testing. We took it out for winter testing. Uh, 
and you know, I get in the car, I get to make my first run, and I did a burnout. I must have went to the 60-foot cone. I mean, I just kept my foot in it. And the old man's like, I had my fingers in my ears just waiting for it to go, ba-boom. Yeah, I was standing there. It was like a, a, a Bugs Bunny commercial, you know? I'm standing there with my fingers in my ears just waiting for the, the, everything to come out the bottom of this. But it didn't. It never did. So the only thing I could figure, because we ran it so long with that much oil in it, it, it made up for the no oil pressure. So, you know, just in case you think we're just sitting here, you know, bragging, no. We, we've made quite a few fuck-ups, too, folks. Don't yeah, <laughs> that's, 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 part of, that's part of racing. I mean, your people, whoever's out there that wants to do this or get involved, you're going to make mistakes. There, even Mickey Mantle struck out. I mean, uh, that's the way you got to look at it. And there's nobody that's perfect. You're going to make mistakes. That is a fantastic segue into our next bit. For somebody that, that wants to get into this, for somebody that's starting out in it, what would you say is the single most important area of development? I mean, we've been talking a lot about engines today because you and I both love engines, but it's not all about raw power. No. You got a good base. You need a good car. It's like building a house. If the foundation is crap, no matter what you put on top of it, it's going to fall apart. So if you buy a car, make sure it has a good frame, a good body. You got to have a good base, starting base, and then you go from there. You could put a, a six-cylinder in it and run all day. And who cares how fast you go? You could always make it go faster. But if you have a rotted frame and a rotted body, it ain't no good. Okay. And following up on that thought, let's say you have your good base, you have your baseline. You know, you're keeping a good setup book. Everybody should keep a setup book. What is, like, the first thing for somebody from starting from scratch? Once you have the first base, what should you focus on then? What, what can wait? What should you start to improve first? Budget. Don't go above your budget. Like, uh, if, let's just say you have $10,000 to put in the car, that's it. That's all you got. And you got to figure out a motor, a tranny, and a rear end and, and build it accordingly. You could always go out racing with that budget and add to it later. A lot of these guys, they, well, I'm going to put all this money into the motor, and the car sits there. That's how you buy these cars. Oh, a guy, you know, I ran out of money or I got tired of it. Budget your money accordingly. Yeah, we've, we've been lucky in that we've bought quite a few half-finished cars over the years because, you know, just things come up, life happens, and you don't have the money that you think you have or you have it, but it all went to something else. Uh, we were talking about this on the way over, you and I. What is more important, having a good home base, having a good race shop, having your equipment there, or having stuff trackside? I'd have to say both, because if, you, if you're home and you're building your car and you don't have the tools to do it, that ain't no good. And if you're at the track and you don't have the, like, if you've got to come home because you don't have an extra, a spark plug goes bad, that ain't no good either. <laughs> You don't want to put your car in a trailer because you don't have a good, you don't have an extra set of spark plugs or an extra set of wires. That's not good either. So I'd have to say both. Uh, you probably hear me chuckling in the background, folks. It's not because of the advice. It's just I knew the old man would jump to spark plugs. He loves spark plugs. He he would change an entire set of spark plugs in between passes when we would race every round. Eight new spark plugs would go in the motor. They're the windows to the soul. <laughs> <laughs> That's so elegant. I like it. All right, for our final non-lightning round question, I know you're, you're a crew chief. 
You're an old school crew chief. No crew chief wants to give up his speed secrets, but you know, come on, you and I are out of the game, at least for now. What are three little tricks you've learned you could, you could tell our listeners? Oh, boy. Don't be afraid to ask questions. I mean, there are no stupid a- uh, answers or questions. I mean, talk to people, and when you do talk to people, write stuff down. Write it down, because you'll forget. Second, call the company. If you want to put this camshaft in it or if you want to put these pistons in it, that's why they have tech lines. Call them. Say, will this be good in my car? And I want to do this. I want to do that. And they'll tell you. That's what they're there for. And number three, you got to have the money. If you don't get involved in it, if you don't have the money, because it's an expensive sport. It is, unfortunately, a rich man's sport. (laughs) All right, DJ, take us into the lightning round. Here, you, The way the lightning round works, Pops, DJ's going to throw a bunch of questions at you. and it's Okay, kind of, I hope I can answer them. Well, it's kind of like the old psychologist test. Just first thing that pops into your head, one or two word answers. Okay. All right, lightning round, ready. Favorite car you worked on? Oh, uh, probably the 62 Nova. Least favorite car you worked on? 72 Dodge Charger. I knew that was coming. <laughs> he hated that fucking car. Uh, if you could build one more money, no object, what would it be? 69 Camaro Superstock. Nice. Uh, favorite track? Island Dragway. Favorite part to tinker with? Carburetor. Uh, the person you have learned the most from? Larry Phillips. Uh, the greatest moment slash achievement slash memory? My son at uh, Super Chevy. Nice. And uh, the lowest moment slash achievement slash memory. Every time he crashed. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, that, that's a lot there, but okay. <laughs> that's that awesome. That helped. That was a great lightning round. I am terrible at lightning rounds, as Mark can attest. Uh, no, you were great. Kind. That was great. You got any more? Uh, I don't. That, that's the okay. full list. Okay. Uh, Mark, any closing remarks? No, I mean, I'll just, at the risk of being sentimental, uh, you know, we, we did this for a number of years, and, you know, we're, we're, we're not actively racing anymore, but we're still tinkering with cars. I have the, the street rod, I have the roadster, that there's half of an engine sitting just out of my eyesight over in the other room with, and the old man has his dart now, so we're still tinkering. But without a doubt, you know, the it, it's like... Uh, I was telling Annie the other day, it's like the ACDC song. It's a long road to the long way to the top if you want to rock and roll. You know, being in the truck, towing to some god-awful venue, staying in hotels, staying in campers, stopping at roadside diners and truck stops and eating whatever garbage we could get our hands on at 3, 4 in the morning. Those are some of my favorite memories I've had, and they wouldn't be possible. I mean, I love racing. I loved racing when we did it. I loved the speed. I loved the uh, atmosphere but just probably the camaraderie and the stories the actually the actual racing almost became second i mean yes i'd have to agree it was just it was a, a lot of fun and their memories that i'll have forever that's that was really sappy we need to end on a higher note that's <laughs> terrible that's fucking awful <laughs> and i kept my pants on he did actually he is pantsed currently <laughs> so good. we have that going for us <laughs> Well, buddy, buddy, thank you for having me. Oh, of course. Uh, I, I'm so excited. I, I say this. I, I say this to Mark all the time. All his friends, are, his good friends, are out of state. 
and you're one of them. I do my best. You're one of them. His friends around here are yum-yums. <laughs> I wish you guys could live around here. <laughs> there are definitely times that we do, too, especially in this past year. Yeah, it's been rough. It has soon, been. though. You've got to come in and see me this year. Oh, of course. Yeah, I mean, as I'm soon as... I'm serious. I'm serious. I mean, you don't have to... You've got a place to stay. If you don't want to stay with me, you can stay in the camper. I mean, you gotta come and see me. There's a fucking uh, carrot if I ever heard one. Buddy, buddy, come on. I mean, I'm just, come on. I mean, I don't throw it. And Mark knows. I'm a prick. I don't extend that, extend that invitation out to everybody. Oh, yeah. I, Mark and I have been talking, and, and once we're all vaccinated, we definitely want to pl- plan a, a, a yeah, team trip. Yeah, come on and, out. We'll carry on like idiots. Oh, yeah, yeah. I had so much fun last time I was down, and, and being the new guy... Uh, in, no in absent though. Yeah. Buddy, buddy no do you eat steak? Do you eat steak? I do. I love steak. I will cook you a steak that you will die for. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's all I can tell you. That's the best I can offer you. A place to stay, good conversation, and a steak. How's that? That sounds amazing. <laughs> all right, get us the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> well, we of course want to thank uh, Papa Marcosetti Senior for uh, thanks coming for having on. me. Yeah, yeah thanks, um, Bob's. <laughs> uh, only our second guest ever, so uh, place of honor there, Papa Rossetti. We're we're so happy no to have problem. you. Problem. I hope I can come back. Yeah, definitely. Um, we want to, of course, thank our fans for listening. Uh, we want to ask you to subscribe wherever you are listening, whatever podcatcher you have. Uh, oh, hang on, I have an update on that. How many? We're up to 22 different places on the internet. Wow, and are you up to actual one kilowatt of power or no? <laughs> we're, we're tickling that. One kilowatt hour. Honest to uh, God. But this, Jesus. <laughs> this week we were uh, added to AntennaPod and BeyondPod. Yeah. Uh, I have emailed, uh, not Spotify, help me here, Pandora, to basically say what the fuck, and we're still currently under review, and if they listen to this episode, we're never going to make it. But hey, (laughs) regardless, um, we're working on Pandora as well, but right now, 22 different locations. Yeah, so I, you know, some of the more popular places you can find us, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Listen Notes. Uh, I uh, always keep subscribed on uh, Pocket Cast. It's my personal favorite, but we're also on Stitcher. Uh, we want to remind you about our website, thewittenwhiskeycast.com. Uh, you can find us there for blog posts. I'll probably tinker a little bit with the, uh, the locomotive and, uh, you know, slap some goggles on and, and go back into the lab and uh, come out with a, a decent blog post for you all. Uh, we want to remind you guys we release here every Friday morning. Um, Mark, do we have a topic for next week? No, not yet. So we've done a hot takes. We've done Pokemon. <laughs> have we done anime? Just well, we've done we've done hot takes with anime, I believe. No, we did anime in general because we each picked three we wa- we watched. We we've did. never yeah, actually done hot did. takes with anime. Uh, we've got, I mean, we could roll into ancient Rome. Uh, we could talk about like indie comic books if we wanted to kind of hit both this season. You know, I think that's fair. I could talk about uh, the local comic books we've had here, Joe Palooka, uh, Little Max, and uh, they IDW actually just did a rather controversial Joe Palooka reboot within the last two years. Uh, so, I, yeah, I think we could do that. We could do why indie slash defunct. Why don't you do what you're doing now? 
how hard it is to get one of them game systems. Talk about that. Well, we, we, no, we talked about how hard it is to get a PlayStation already. Right. Yeah. I, oh, oh by the way, I forgot that. Fuck you, DJ. <laughs> DJ has a PlayStation. He was the only one of us to get one. So fuck you. I, I meant to say that at the top of the fair, hour. To be fair, Sorry. I'm the one who has been trying for the last six weeks no, to get you have. one. Yeah, no, as I explained to the wife, she because she knew we were going to try. She thought we were going to try an Amazon, which they never ended up doing the release that they were supposed to do. Uh, I came home from work, and she said, did you get one? And I said, no. And she said, did anybody get one? And I said, yeah, DJ did, because he was the one who tried. Yeah. That was my exact quote to I, her. I, so. literally, I literally had a backup plan. I had a buddy who was bored and decided to help me out, and he ended up getting really lucky. So, No, but I, I was going to open with a joke when I did the intro. I was going to start with, and fuck you, by the way, but I, I forgot. But no, I, I'm not, I don't actually hate you. I know I'll get one uh, soon enough. Yeah, and, and to be fair to uh, Mark and the rest of uh, my gaming group, I, I am still... still DJ. Thank you. I, I am still continuing to try and get a PS5 so that we can no, all he is. He is. round out the spring with some PS5s around I'm the just giving them some shit, that's yeah. all. Uh, so yeah, uh, look forward to next week. Indie comic books and whiskey. That should be a lot of fun. Uh, we want to, of course, thank Nuno Henry Silva for our intro and outro music. Uh, we're going to love be you, s- Nuno. We love you, man. Uh, we're going to send you to his SoundCloud in our show notes. Oh um, yeah, I'm glad you reminded me. We have a SoundCloud now. I didn't tell you this. Do we? Don't go on there. There's nothing on there yet. It's just our logo, but we have one. Oh nice. We, maybe we can start uploading. Uh, maybe we should do something different with the SoundCloud. Maybe we can upload like blooper reels or like extra reviews or something. Well, we have it now, so we can decide that going forward. Yeah, we've been toying the idea of doing a video segment at some point, but we have. Uh, I I don't know how to edit video, so th- there's that. Oh no, I can edit that. Oh, there, that's good. Uh, but until next week, uh, again, thank you to Papa Rossetti, and I just want to say... You should, guys should come in for the 4th of July. Just shush. <laughs> and until next week, cheers. Salute.